Stop stuffing, sopping wet bags of ice and shit. Nope. We hate YouTube, but it works. Not today, Satan. Get behind us, Satan. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep loving God. Ain't nothing going to stop us. Put your hands up, ladies and gentlemen. The promises of God.
time for worship. Time to rise up. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode number 190 already here on LFA TV, episode number 190, Rise Up. One thing that I got to tell you is that when we're worshiping, folks, when we're giving our praise to the Lord, when we're singing, when we have our hands in the air, nothing's going to stop us. Not a commercial, not an ad, not Satan, not spirits, not bad, evil, nothing, ladies and gentlemen, is going to stop us from praising God when we know that we are gathered together in his name, giving worship to him, it is full speed ahead. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being here this morning. Um, Mr. Kennedy says, thank you, Jeremy, from the bottom of my heart for doing the show every morning. I need this show more than ever these days. Even with two other shows and running a network, you find time for us and God. Uh, yeah, it, you know what? You're very welcome. Uh, I wish that everybody in the world, I wish I could give the same amount of time to everybody in the world. There's so many people. Uh, that I know, that I don't know, that are close, that aren't close, that need help, that I could be giving them. And um, I think a lot of the times I just realize that I could be doing more. So uh, thank you very, very much uh, for that. Thank you to me and uh, that sentiment and that statement. Um, I am so grateful and humble by it. Uh, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to play catch up or something. Uh, I just don't feel like I, I just feel like I could always do more, uh, for everybody. And, um, but it is, this show is needed for me too. Uh, we have 800 people watching here this morning. God bless you all. Um, rumble lately has been really acting funky and a lot of people uh, can't find the show and they don't know how to use the filter button. Um, which is very simple by the way. It's just, it's on your phone or on the, on your computer, uh, you just filter when you're on the main page uh, to find page uh, shows if you can't find them. Or always remember to go to LFATV.us and you can click on watch live and it'll take you to whatever's live at that time. Uh, but we definitely need the shares. We definitely need um, the, to go on your group pages because spreading the gospel right now is 10 billion, infinitely more important than spreading the news. Spreading the news is, is definitely 
informing people, but spreading the gospel is helping to save people. And that's more important than anything. So as we get started this morning, I want to read this morning's title of the show and the description. And that title of the show is Denying Help When Asked. Now, a lot of you may think immediately, well, I never do that. Anytime somebody asks me for anything, hi, Alan, Carol Morris, how you doing? Thank you. God bless you. Anytime anybody asks me for anything, I, I, I do my best to accommodate. That's what you may think. You may think, I will give the shirt off my back to anybody who asks. Black, white, fat, skinny, tall, short, homeless, family, whatever. But there are a lot of times that people are asking for help. They're just not asking you. And there's a form of denying that happens there as well. And then there's those people that have a hard time asking for help at all. Now, that's me. Now, I don't have a problem asking God for help because I know that I am a broken person that needs God every minute of every hour of every day. But I do not ever ask people for help. Not real help. I mean, if I say, hey, can you grab that for me? That's one thing. But I'm talking about real help. I just, I don't ask people because I'm beyond. (laughs) I feel I'm beyond help from other people. Not beyond like I'm better than, like nobody can help me but God. That's how I feel in in, in in my chest. So rise up 190. Denying help when asked. Denying help when people ask for it is ungodly. They can ask directly or indirectly, but if you see it or hear it and do nothing, then you are actually denying God his purpose for you. If you know about it, then God wanted you to know about it for a reason. There are many ways to help people, and that is what we are here to do. Yet so many of us deny others without even knowing it sometimes. Let's talk about that today. Please, if you are watching right now, do your part. To help us share the good news of the gospel, not gossip, today. So what I'd like to do is go to the verse of the day today. Which I titled, like I said, denying help when asked. Let's open this up and read it. Because Proverbs, ladies and gentlemen, there are three books in the Bible that I urge you to go to when you need help. Number one is Proverbs, teaches you how to live wise, how to have wisdom in everything you do. 
The other is Job that teaches you how to deal with massive adversity. And the other is Romans that tells you how to live like a Christian should live. Those three books, Job, Romans, and Proverbs will help you in any time of need. So as I'm going through the book of Proverbs last night, I come across the verse in which I brought to uh, the, the newsletter today. I said, hello and good morning. Are you prayed up today, this morning? Are you in communication with God and denying yourselves the pleasures of the wicked of this world? There are things we sh- these are things that we should ask ourselves every day and every night. In order to keep us righteous, we must convict ourselves daily. This is why God gave us 24 hours in a day. Proverbs 3, 27, and 28. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 27 and verse 28. It says this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Stop right there. Who is due good? Let's pull up the rumble chat. I want you guys in on this one today. Who is due good? The Bible tells us, do not withhold good from those whom it is due. Who is due? How you doing, Scotty? Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Who deserves good? Who is due this good that you should not deny? Humans. Those that follow the Lord. Those that try to help. Conservative, happy 22nd anniversary. Everyone. Cindy says no one. Anyone not saved. Fellow believers. I will always deny Marxists. If we always deny Marxists, how can we ever change Marxists to freedom-loving Christians? Love thy neighbor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those in need, Christians, me, Jesus, babes in the Lord. Everyone is due salvation. Everyone. All innocent children. Everyone. Followers. Everyone, because that's what Jesus wanted. Well, let me tell you what I believe, and I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong. I believe everybody is due good. I believe that if you don't show good to non-good, by the way, there are none good but God. Jesus said that himself. Why do you call me good when there are none good but God? So if there are none good but God, then how is anybody that's not good supposed to know good if you don't show them good? So I believe as a Christian that everybody is do good. If they ask for help, you should show love. 
to everyone. Let's move on. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you to give. That makes me so sad. Because there are so many people out there that need somebody to do good for them. There are so many people out there that think they are in good, but they are not in good. That think they are living righteously, that are not living righteously. That ask for help directly and indirectly. And I realize that I have denied that help. To so many, including my own family. Here's what I wrote. One thing I have always done is help people when they ask. However, there are many times looking back that I am guilty of not helping them as well. Let me rewind my life and yours. How many times have you seen a text from someone asking for you to lend them money or give them a ride or let them stay with let them stay with you and you ignored it for hours on purpose to the point that when you did reach back out to them and ask them what they need You figure they've already gotten what they need and you are in the clear. Please be honest. Are you guilty of that? I am. Maybe not recently. But I am. How many times have you seen a friend or even someone that you know ask for help on a Facebook post and you keep scrolling rather than reach out to them and help them. You know, when you see somebody maybe that you are close to or maybe that you're not and they put out a Facebook post and they say, you know, life is crumbling Everybody has left me. I need X, Y, and Z. And you keep scrolling. Teapot says, I've done that with somebody needing a babysitter and I felt awful. That's what I'm talking about. You see, or you see, like I say, you see a Facebook post, somebody saying, my life is crumbling. I don't know what to do. And instead of reaching out to them to give them, any kind of comfort, you just keep scrolling because they're always on Facebook saying the same thing. I need this. I need $100 for my car. Why can't everything, anything ever go right? When it rains, it pours. My life sucks. God hates me. 
And I believe that if we see this, even if it's somebody that we don't personally know, we should reach out to them because God put that in our path to do so. How many times have you driven by a person with a sign asking for work or money without stopping and giving money or at least spreading the love of the gospel? Because you see that same person out there every day or because your local police told you not to give them anything so that they don't stand in those places or you think that they, that person's just going to buy drugs or alcohol with it. Angel says, it's so hard because where do you draw the line? I think we'll get to that in the rest of what I'm going to talk about here. How many times has your spouse asked for something in the way of communication or for you to do something around the house and you procrastinate or forget to do it completely after they've asked for help? Now, Susie Q says you have to draw a line somewhere. I disagree. I think you have to draw a line somewhere when it comes to financially, but I don't think there's a line to draw anywhere when it comes to spreading the gospel and the love of Christ to them whenever they need it till the end of time. But I do believe financially there's a line, yes. After examining all of these scenarios, I realize that I am guilty as charged. I am guilty. Furthermore, I continue to ask while being convicted, what would Jesus do in any and all of those scenarios? Every single time I ask that very simple question, I get my answer immediately. Not only the answer to what he would do, but also the answer to the questions of conviction. I immediately know what I did wrong. Whether by thought or by action, If someone is publicly asking for help, even if it's a subtle hint to needing help, we should do as Jesus would have done and does still today. Now, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to ask you this. Jesus didn't have Facebook. But if Jesus was walking on a road with the disciples heading to a specific place and he saw somebody on the side of the road crying and begging and asking for, for help and Jesus didn't know them, would he have stopped Or would he ignore and keep going? Because that's the equivalent of seeing somebody on Facebook that you don't personally know asking for help and you ignore them and you keep scrolling. That is your opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. If you don't have money to give, that is your opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. If you do have money to give, you give it also with the opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. He would help anyone, anywhere, anytime who either asked or didn't ask. And that's what I'm guilty of. Be there for them. Help them. Give them a hand to hold on to or a shoulder to cry on if that's the only way you can help them. This is something that I am still 
learning at 44 years of age. Just offer yourself as Jesus offered himself. If you do that, then at least you know you are being godly and making him proud to call you his child. Get into one minute prayer for dads. If you have one minute prayer for dads, please open up to page 12. The hard patches. My son is about to go to school and waiting on you, Jeremy, to holla at him for his birthday. Bruce Brandon Lee. Happy birthday, Bruce. I know you're at the bus stop right now. Just know that God loves you. We love you. And we wish you a happy birthday. And we want you to be that one child in school who brings God to school. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bruce Brandon Lee. Happy birthday to you. I got you before you went into school. The hard patches. Colossians 1.11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Being a dad is not always an easy road. Things move along, things may move along just fine, and then out of nowhere comes a hindrance to being a good dad. And I could say the same thing about being a good husband, a good child of God, a good friend, a good boss, a good worker, a good Christian. Maybe it's because we're personally facing some of the hard patches in life. If we can recognize how our present hard patch is affecting our dadhood or husbandhood or wifehood or friendhood or any of that, we can do what's necessary to change. For me, this is what's necessary to change. For me. This is the only thing that can help me change. I've been through massive amounts of counseling, forced and voluntary, for anger management, drug use, anger management again, alcohol, anger management again. (laughs) Nothing helps me but this. And the more help I need, the more I need to go to this. One place to start when we're going through the hard patch is to ask our kids to pray for us.
God will hear those prayers. God, it's been hard lately. How many of you can say that? How many of you did that just speak to? God, it's been hard lately. You know the situation. You know my reactions and how they hinder me from being a great dad. I pray that daily you will show me how to react to the hard stuff I have to face. I pray you'll change me or change my circumstances. I pray for peace in my household. And that the kids will look on these days as the time when dad prevailed against hard situations. I pray that as my child pray for me, you'll listen and answer not just to get through this rough patch, but to show them the power of their prayers. About 33 minutes past the hour. If you've not done so yet, I'll ask that you please like the video, rumble the video. That's just what like means. Just rumble the video. Share the video out to people who you think might need to hear this message today. They might not need to hear every message, but maybe they need to hear this one. Let's go to God moments for men, and then we'll go to a video. Learning to be content. Philippians 4.12. Jeremy, there is a Hellenag trying to get your attention for help. What do you need, Helen? Same with me, Go Blue. Angry Hot Dog says, You always have to believe God has something better for you. I went through two divorces to find a great woman, and we have been married 18 years. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's amazing. Hopefully there's many, many more years to come. Helen, if you need help, please send an email to LFAproducer at gmail.com. It's hard for me to read the comments. Philippians 4.12. I know how to live in almost... On almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Helen, I do spread the awareness of the J6 political prisoners as much as I possibly can. I do it on both shows, 11 and 5. If there's anything specific that you need help with, please let us know. I'd like to tell you I'm an, I'm impenetrable, impenetrable to whiny, wimpy seductions like envy or jealousy or self-pity. And I could too, of course, I'd be lying. The truth is, these are powerful and stealthy invaders 
Unlike the duck's clunky, waddly-based approach to flight, self-pity can soar into our psyches. And once its hawk-like talons take hold, it can rip your world in half before you shake yourself free. The Apostle Paul talked about this. He said contentment was something he had to learn. It wasn't automatic. It didn't magically take him over the day he became a follower of Christ. It was developed one challenge at a time, and that's how it will be for us too. That's called a journey with Jesus. That's what a journey with Jesus is. That's why it's about the journey and you're supposed to lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God in all things and just put down your head and follow his path. Bad things are not going to stop happening. (laughs) Bad things are actually going to increase in your life and in your marriage if it is of God because the devil wants to destroy that. If you have a good, strong marriage, problems are going to be thrown your way constantly if that marriage is of God because the devil wants to rip that apart more than he does a relationship that is not of God and drug use and abuse. If you live a life seeking God, I can promise you the arrows of the devil are going to come at you far more than they did when you weren't. But what my wife made me understand, or at least remember the other day, was that that's exactly why we need to strengthen our individual lives and our marriages in God. And there are many ways to do it. Question is, are you willing? I'm going to play a couple videos for you. Now, this first one that I'm going to play for you. Let me see here if I have this marked out correctly. Give me a second. I saved this specifically for this moment today. And... Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Apologize. (laughs) I usually have these things pulled up right and ready for you guys. Um, And here I didn't. So let's get this ready. This is just, this isn't a, a video about help or needing help or supplying help, but this is a great video. On in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Thought this was just a great video, so here we go. Distance of our entire universe and everything in it comes down to about 30 numbers. Now these numbers are fixed values of a fundamental physical condition we find in our universe. For example, the force of gravity or the expansion rate in the universe. Now here's the amazing part. Each one of these numbers are so perfectly precise and so balanced with one another that if any one of them were off, plus or minus the slimmest fraction, in some cases, literally this much, there would be no life and no universe as we know it. For example, if the mass of a tiny little proton 
was just a tiny bit bigger. There'd be no hydrogen, which means no hydrogen stars, which means no carbon and oxygen made in those stars, which basically means no water and no biology. So it appears, to most physicists, not to all, that since the very beginning, the entire universe has been perfectly tuned for one thing. The existence of our entire universe and everything. How is something so incredibly fine-tuned an accident? How is something so incredibly fine-tuned nothing? If something is so incredibly fine-tuned minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia, and it does not move from its very precise precision, then how can you, as a logical thinking human being, taking religion and faith out of the mix and just focusing on science, how is that possible? How is that possible? We can't even create anything to run on its own without needing anything ever and completely uh, sustainable without some kind of consistent maintenance, consistent gauging. It's impossible. It is literally, scientifically, physically impossible. It does not exist. The possibility of having... Everything in space, time, matter, existence works so perfectly and harmoniously, hand in hand. That is not possible. And for anybody to believe that that's possible, they don't really believe that. They're just trying to push a satanic, luciferian agenda. They don't really believe that. Now, something was caught on camera. A helicopter was taking off from an accident site with a passenger, with a patient who was in critical condition from the crash and was dying quickly. They didn't even get 50 feet off the ground to take this patient to the hospital, to airlift this patient quickly to the hospital before the patient died. The crazy part is what happened on camera the moment the patient died over the radio. Put this on the screen. I'm going to get my cursor here on the screen. Right here. I want you to watch this area right here very, very closely. The helicopter is right here. It's going to take off straight up. And I want you to see what happens when it does. And I'll play it twice. Look closely. 
right here very close it's hard to see right there the spirit left the body you can see the soul leaving the body Wow. Patient died. And right when the patient died, you saw that. Now, there are critics to this video that say that that was some kind of a mist or some kind of an air mist or a fuel something coming out of the uh, helicopter. I've never seen that happen out of a helicopter before. I've seen a lot of helicopters take off. Unbelievable. When I saw that video, I just broke down in tears. Why? Why did I break down in tears? Validation? Maybe happy because that person got to go to heaven? I don't know. But I was in tears. Big time. How about you? That video make you cry? Well, if that didn't make video make you cry, this one surely will. Roll it. And I don't mean to make you cry. My intent in this is only message. For people who need to hear this. In the most memorable time period of your life. Being married to my wife for 51 years. I'll never forget her. We were a perfect couple and uh, enjoyed each day together. And when I lost her, I lost my life. So I'm just existing now till I go and join her. And I'm 93 years old, so I don't have much time left, I'm sure. But if, if you're lucky, you'll find a woman like I did who will never argue, never fight, never do anything against you, and she'll love you and you'll love her the rest of your life too. It's all you can ask for is a good partner. What's been the most memorable time period of your life? Being now, married to my wife for 51 years. I'll never forget her. We were a perfect couple and uh, enjoyed each day together. And when I lost her, I lost my life. Look at this so kid's just reaction. Existing now till I go and join her. And I'm 93 years old, so I don't have much time left, I'm sure. Look at his reaction. Look at that kid's reaction. He did not know what to say. What has been the most memorable period of your 93 years on this earth? He said, being married to my wife for 51 years. And when I lost her, I lost my life. And now I'm just waiting 
to go back and be with her. Unbelievably powerful. And for those that are watching that lost their wife or their husband already, I'm sure, I'm very positive that you can identify with what that man just said. And he says, if you're lucky, you'll find somebody like that in your life as well. Philly kid said, now that's a rich man right there. (laughs) Boy, you are right. You are right. My parents were married 64 years, said Majogo. When my dad passed, my mom is 93 now. My rock and salvation says that is just lovely and sweet. So if you ever wondered why a partner for you chosen by God and a marriage under God, maybe you now know why that is so important. And it's not just a piece of paper like some people believe it is. Like I believed it was for so many years. E. Fitch says, going on 50th wedding anniversary celebration this Saturday. What? 50 years married? God bless your marriage and your household. Mad Test 66 says, I love speaking to elderly people. They have so much wisdom. When I was a server, because I used to be a bartender and a server at one time. Eli and I worked together then too. And when I was a server, I used to, nobody wanted to take the table of elderly people because they might tip you like 39 cents. Like they still think it's 1945 and they leave change on the table. I'd take them. The money didn't matter to me. That table's money did not matter to me. I'd say, I'd take them. I'll take them. Because I used to love to just chop it up with them, ask them questions, talk to them about life, about the way things used to be, what we need to do X, Y, and Z. I used to love it. Absolutely. I bet you were an awesome bartender and server. Oh, I was. I I was a better server than I was a bartender. I never really liked bartending. I really liked serving. I did. I mean, as hard as a job as it is, and I'd never want to go back to it, I would if I had to. If you were a server today and you were really good, you'd make bank because every server sucks out there today. If you were a good server today, you would probably make $2,000 a week. Speaking of giving, the one I am just says, I'm sorry I haven't giving, given as once I did. This $100 should go to always help our fellow humans. If it is just spreading the gospel, which is free, live like Uh, Like the love and forgiveness God offers us all, the one. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jeremy, I love how your heart, I love your heart and how you are honest with us. Well, you may not love to see me when I'm angry. I'm like the Hulk, but thank you. I was a better cocktail server than a waitress, says Amanda. I'm going to go volunteer at the nursing home. You know, that's something that I have not done. 
in a very, very long time. Or the soup kitchen. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Wow. That's why I love this show. That right there is why I love this show. All right. Every day with Jesus. Terry Lynn says, Jeremy has always been honest. Well, if it's one thing that I will always be, it is, it is honest. I won't lie. I won't lie. I won't use the Lord's name in vain. I won't cheat. I won't steal. But I am guilty of others. I am guilty of other things. Many other things. Jeremy has two personalities. I think I might have more than that, actually. I think I might have more than that. Hope. Hope produces purity. Hope produces purity. 1 John 3.3. 3. Every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every time the Apostle Paul preached grace, the question arose, are you saying that I can sin because I'm under grace? Paul dealt with that question three times in his writings, Romans 3.8, 6.1, and Galatians 2.17, with the resounding answer, God forbid. Certainly, that is not what Paul was communicating, and reading the Gospels will show you that although Jesus was compassionate and merciful to sinners, he always said, go and sin no more. The Bible is clear that every born-again person who has the hope of the resurrection is seeking to purify themselves and be pure like Jesus. That doesn't necessarily mean they are accomplishing that goal. There are many things that can make the grace of God have no effect in their lives and keep them in bondage to sin. But it is also an irrefutable fact of Scripture that those who are God's children and are looking forward to that moment when Jesus comes to get them at the resurrection desire to live a life he will look upon with pleasure. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics of a true Christian. This is the same reasoning Jesus used when he said, For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Matthew 24, 42. Keeping the coming of the Lord in view affects our actions. Those Christians who aren't living a pure life have forgotten the promise in God's word that the day is coming when they will stand before Jesus to give an account for the lives and receive his rewards. Today, remember that this world and everything that affects you is temporary and will fade into obscurity at the appearance of your Lord. You will be able to prioritize much easier. Go and sin no more. What does that mean? Is it possible to go and sin no more? No, it's not. Jeremy, the Bible says it is. No, it's not what a, that's not what I believe the Bible's saying. It is not possible to not sin. If that were true, you would not need Jesus. 
Go and sin no more means go and live by God's commandments, live by Jesus' teachings, and if you sin, immediately repent when you realize you've done wrong, get back on that path, and do your best not to make that same mistake again. Build up that armor so you know how to stop those impurities, those iniquities from happening again. Eventually, you will be able to stop doing that specific sin. But will you stop sinning forever? No. It's not possible. And don't do it. Don't premeditate it. Don't go, I know this is wrong. I know that God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to go do it anyway. And if you do, you must reduce the amount of times you do that to the, and, and, and with the hope and the, and the prayer that it, nev- that it gets to zero. That's living a Christian life. Always do better tomorrow than you did today in the name of Christ, humbly before God. That is being a Christian. Some people fall short. Some people don't. Some people fall shorter than others. God knew that I needed rise up. I am a very flawed human being. I lived 36 years in hell. I lived 36 years in hell, and that means apart from God. When I died on the side of an interstate, I realized I wanted to be godly. I wanted a new life. I am now eight years old. I am an eight-year-old in this new life. Please don't hold things against me. Treat me like an eight-year-old in Christ. If you see me mess up, if you see me screw up, call me out on it. Even on the 11 o'clock and the 5 o'clock show, that's where I screw up the most. That's why I need Rise Up. I'm a flawed eight-year-old, and I'm trying. And I believe the rest of you are all trying as well, or you wouldn't be here watching this show today and every day. 36 years apart from God does something to you. But eight years with God does even better and more and, and, and amazing and unforgettable things. And I can't wait to see what will happen when I'm 16. My sweet 16 with God. That's going to do it for Rise Up today, ladies and gentlemen. Please enjoy this music on your way out. Sean Farish and Ungoverned comes up next, followed by Live from America at 11 a.m. I love you all. I appreciate you all. And may God be with you in your lives. Hopefully I'll see you tomorrow. If not, I'm glad to have spent time with you today. God bless you. Have a great day.
Republicans should be worried. Because nothing motivates Not today, Democrats Satan. the way Donald <laughs> Trump did.